Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Lots to talk about today as we do our final in a series of podcasts with somebody that has really taken her life in a very holistic route to help others. And she's done so much with an organization called Hip Health. And we're going to get her on here right away and talk. Kate Birch is back with us. Welcome back, Kate. How are you doing? Hi, Steve. It's great to be here. I'm doing good. So good to have you back. We've learned so much over the last dozen or so podcasts with you. Um, but even before we go into a recap of some of that and some some more relevant information uh, of what's going on literally today, why did you start Hip Health? What was your, your motivation? Mm-hmm. So I think in one of our first interviews, I talked about, you know, I was a young mom. We had a friend come over and he saw the baby screaming and me screaming and just like nothing really working well. My partner was a drunk and, you know, life wasn't good. I guess anybody would be screaming in that situation. <laughs> yep. But um, we're, you know, he's like, you guys need homeopathy. And I didn't know what it was. And at that time, also, I was very tired. I had lost a lot of weight. My health wasn't good. My boy had night terrors, and he was Mm. two and a half. And so he would wake up in the middle of the night with high-pitched screaming, not knowing where he was. And um, his father, he was a workaholic, and he drank a bottle of wine every day. And first it started with him. The very first remedy that he ever got, he like sat down at the dinner table and started having a conversation. I'm like, wow, this is interesting. So my son, night terrors went away. It's not like they're medicated. It's like a different state of being came out. You know, each person has like a life story and how they get to where they are in that life is a series of things that go into the nervous system and into our brains, and particularly like the food that we eat or whatever it is. And um, and then for me, as I'm trying to cope in this situation and my own health was failing, you know, I went to a homeopath. And then pretty soon I started putting on weight. I started sleeping better. My son's sleeping. You know, the father, he stopped drinking. We started getting along better. And it wasn't like we came to our natural self. And... I thought, this is so amazing. What is this? And I was a young mom, and I just said, okay, I'm going to learn homeopathy because everybody has the right to know who they are, not just what their reactions are to life and or based on the traumas that they've had or their upbringing or different things like that. And um, so that really is my orientation to being homeopath. And then... Um, Clearly, from the interviews that we've talked about, I specialize in infectious disease and um, vaccines and vaccine damage and homeoprophylaxis, which is an alternative form of immunization, because I gave my son a vaccine and at two months, and he started high-pitched screaming. And I was like, okay, I don't like that. And um, when I found homeopathy and found that homeopathy could treat infectious disease, I was like, no more vaccines Mm. and go a different way like that. What were you doing when occupationally when you first discovered homeopathy? Mm -hmm. I lived in a small village or town on the 
uh, northern coast of California in Mendocino County, and we lived in the woods. And then I was eating right. We had a garden. We had an orchard. We got fish from the sea. I made compost. You know, all of these things in, like, a natural life was there. Um, but our health was so that the food intake didn't change our well-being, right? Mm. Yeah. So you you feel that if you were eating better, would that have made would that have been a game changer, or there was much more? No, well, I was well, I, I milled all my own wheat. I wasn't working. Roloff, um, he supported us. He was working. I was stay at home mom. Mm-hmm. I made all of our own food from scratch. We milled our wheat. We you know canned the apples. We had a huge vegetable garden. You know, um, the eating was fine. It was something about my vitality. And part of my process in life is to do what's called like a, a biographic study, like where do I come from mm. and what is this about? And part of my journey was to take me back to, I was born in the UK to two parents who were born during World War II and England was under rations and there's the industrial revolution and there's, you know, PTSD of war trauma and then the class structure in the UK. All of these things affected, like I would be called a weak child, you know, from that background, whether it was um, genetic or just environmental, like what does starvation do to a whole population, right? And, um, Anyways, these things sort of build up in our offspring, and they they live a life that may not be connected to what their actual desire, soul desire, is to manifest on this planet. Means that in order for their soul desire to manifest, you have to work through your inherited encumbrances. I'm intrigued that you were eating. What seems to be well, you, that was on your radar, but you were still having health challenges, which yeah. says a lot. You know, a lot of us say, hey, it starts with a diet, but there's so much more involved. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about that throughout the, the episodes, what can be involved. Vaccine-free prevention and treatment of infectious disease with homeopathy. We, we've talked about that at one point uh, earlier. I want to bring that up in that covid at this time, September of 23, is starting to kick up. There are some mm-hmm. projections that in the first quarter of 2024, we're going to have some challenges. Maybe not to the point that we had two and a half years ago, but it's going to be a concern. What are your thoughts about that right now? Mm-hmm. So um, one of the, you know, Free and Healthy Children International, the organization that has run the research on COVID before, I would say uh, it's time to contact a practitioner off of our website and learn how you can immunize yourself. We have always used uh, influenza for seasonal influenza. Um, You know, there's a remedy called influenzinum. And COVID, one, because people keep getting boosters and they keep, like, shedding the vaccine out. And then other nefarious details, I don't know of it, but, um, you know, there's a potential. It's like, why are there pockets of people here and there? We have seen it. So we are 
about to roll out our fall prevention program, but it's, again, just done. You need to contact a practitioner, and the practitioner can get with you. They, the, the virus itself has morphed. It changes. Mm. People will get sick, and they say, this is the same sickness that I had last time I had COVID, but it's not testing positive, and that's because the PCR tests are, the old PCR tests are are set to register a portion of the RNA segment of the viral strand, but as the virus passes through the population, it continues to degrade, and the current strain, if you could say, probably doesn't have the, um, the testing sequence that the PCR test looked for, but if the symptoms are the same, we would still treat it as if it has COVID, and the cases that have come in uh, in my practice in the last month, they've all had the COVID nozode, and I just said, go ahead, redose. And every single one of them is like, wow, I feel so much better. And you know what? I feel better than I was before I got sick. There's something uh, that's happening, um, and this is a, a larger topic, but it's how are humans evolving through this infectious disease? So. Mm. Part of my work has been, you know, epidemiology of many infectious diseases. You mentioned vaccine-free uh, treatment and prevention of infectious disease with homeopathy. That was the first book that I wrote. And part of writing that book is studied different epidemics like smallpox and cholera. And, you know, they come at certain times in humanity. And there's many different influences at play. And really the disease calls upon an evolutionary stepping stone that humans need to step up into in order to balance that infectious disease process in themselves. Mm. And I, I can go through that again, but this, this is the basic foundation of homeoprophylaxis. Is what we do with homeoprophylaxis is you get ahead of the curve. You're given information, I mean, it's the same theory as vaccines, but the methodology is completely different and the outcome is different. But you get ahead of the curve by taking the homeopathic preparation of the disease agent. And what that does is it activates an immune response that would mimic in a mild form the disease. But more than that, in a potentized form, it gets into the psycho-spiritual aspects of why that disease is here. And I'll hypothesize this, but COVID is the great awakening and a reckoning for how humans have chosen to live on this planet. And it's not just the individual human, but it's the individual human in relationship to the government. And what is happening on a global level of government. And I'll just give one example. So in the vaccine-free book is the chapter on cholera. And I think we spoke about this before, but during the French Revolution, when the monarchy was displaced, cholera became rampant throughout Europe. And um, there's something about humans needing an archetype of government that they can function within. And the only other time I can give an analogy to this is when Haiti had an earthquake and all of the government buildings were destroyed and then the sewer system was also destroyed, you know, damaged, that cholera broke out. 
So Haiti is an island, and the other half of the island is the Dominican Republic, which didn't have any cholera. Hmm. So then you ask, it's an island, where did the cholera come from, right? If it was connected by land to another place that had cholera, then you could say, oh, yeah, well, it just goes through the water. Well, it doesn't go through the ocean to get to that island, and if it did do that, it would go to the other side of the island. Just know that the shock and trauma of that situation allows it opens the doorway for the symptom presentation and manifestation of cholera. So then you begin to question, like, where does infectious disease come from? And there are some people that talk about what's called a no-virus theory, and particularly with Wuhan, is that they turned on the 5G at that time when everybody was getting sick. They turned it on in Iran and Italy when everybody was getting sick, and that added frequency, which humans weren't used to, set up a discharge process that looked like, they called it COVID. You know, maybe there's a virus involved. I don't know the details on that. I've, everything that we've done in our research, one, it was made from the nozode, which was procured from Wuhan during that time of the discharge of the people who were sick with whatever disease it was. But there's something more at play here, which is what's happening in Wuhan and what's happening with the Chinese government and the Chinese regime, you know, and how they lock the people up and what is the individual freedom and what does that do to our psyche as far as how do we live, like in America, the land of the free, right? And, you know, all of these government institutional laws that got put on us because of covid and the kickback, and certainly you mentioned before we came on, your friend who doesn't want the vaccines, people want to keep their body intact. They don't want foreign DNA or RNA injected into them. And, um, well, you know, you know what? Is- I'd like to add that this this friend, he works in construction, uh-huh. and he just reached out. Uh, and we, we haven't talked in a while, but he said, yeah, things are going well. Um, he says a couple of construction worker colleagues had COVID. One just passed away. One is in ICU, not doing well. And then he says, one thing they all have in common, I'm reading his text right now. Mm-hmm. They got the Pfizer COVID they shots all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, now, but I would have to believe these are pretty healthy, big, strong guys. They work in construction, Uh, Mm -hmm. And I will add to that, I have a friend who I worked with for a lot of years, years ago. He eventually got MS and he literally passed uh, about three days ago from from COVID, but complications connected to MS. But then it also makes me wonder, hmm. I, did I, he get the vaccine? And I'd yeah. have to say, I'm I'm pretty sure he did because he probably thought, all right, this is the best route to protect myself because I do have a challenge with MS. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it, Kate? You know, I don't wonder. If the writing's on the wall, you know. I mean, they figured out with the HIV how to turn off the immune system. Well, COVID turns off the immune system, and it's got some of the same. There was a paper four days after COVID was announced in India, the Indian team of researchers did a genetic coding on it and they found HIV genes in the COVID. They know how to turn off. The same Fauci is the guy who researched COVID or researched HIV Mm -hmm. and there he is now doing the COVID deal. 
So the point I'm getting at, then the larger point, is that um, the biggest question that we all have to ask each ourselves is who am I and what am I doing on this planet? And what am I doing on this planet and living in nature, right? And what is, if, if I was created out of nature, then nature has a doorway for me to find healing because that is the way that nature works. You know, it either gives life or goes towards death. And at some point, you don't know the difference between, like, why did it, you were going along well in life, and then it turns towards death. But if we start adding in um, most of Western medicine, which is all made-up stuff, it was originally sort of, it has its roots in herbology and homeopathy because they have all of the active alkaloids that have been then made into medication that are now synthetic, they all have their origin in some plant or animal or mineral-based composition, right? Mm. Um, or most of them do. And then once they figured out how to do things, they start manipulating that. But So the question is, is when you start manipulating nature for your own benefit... This other thing that you... Right. I, um, I don't know what that was. I just heard something pop through there. And I yeah, that sure. was the <laughs> yeah, for a second. Like, it was bizarre. Um... You know, while we're talking here, let's let's move to uh, something else we talked about and mm-hmm. the liver and yeah. and therapeutics um, for the liver, disease of the liver. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's go there. Yeah, and so um, yeah, and all of my uh, book writing experiences, they've all been to better serve my patients, right? And some of it is through teaching. I want to um, learn more, and so I learn more, and then I teach it, and so then. Then I write a book out of it, or so vice versa. Um, so liver's one, glyphosate is one. The liver, um, you know, the childhood immunization programs, the solution book, the vaccine-free, and then we have the best family homeopathy acute care manual. Even all the research. Like, you can get stuck in the words and just read a part of it. The liver is, the German word is liber means to live, and what the liver does, it's a central processing unit at, between the outside and the inside. It means between what you eat and what you poop, but what you eat and how you live. Mm. And the liver is, you know, all the food goes in, gets chewed up, gets, you know, squished together in the stomach, you know, then get enzymes and bile, and then nutrients come into the liver well. Every thought that you have, every outlook on life is based on the food that you take, whether it's, and if it's poisons or chemicals, you're going to have poison or chemical points of view. If it's organic and sweet fruits, you're going to have a sweet demeanor, right? It's not possible for any other outcome between these two sides. And so that liver book is an exploration through this digestive process from the point of view from homeopathic remedies that can help at different metabolic, like fat metabolism, sugar, protein metabolism, breakdown. If proteins don't break down, you get excess nitrogen that leads you to be really critical and censorious. Um, you know, so it's a book about those things. I think we underestimate our livers. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and we, we treat them. I mean, I like to have wine and beer. I mean, I only drink Corona and European wines, but... You know, um, now, yeah. you know what? I hear that and I'm like, hmm, 
I wonder why. So, you know, yeah. you know, is there a reason? And I'm just going to, yep, since you said it, why, why Corona, not another beer? Uh, because Mexico is banning glyphosate, and it's the closest to all of hops grown around the world. They are sprayed with glyphosate, pesticide, and um, that one is not. I'm a big fan of Corona now. I always that's good. I always liked it, but now I like it even more based on what you just said. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. Okay. See, this is this is why we're here. This is this is so we can enjoy some beer. That's exactly it. You know, the tequila is pretty good too, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> For sure. In, yeah, mo- in I mean, moderation. You, it's all in moderation is is the, the basic precept here, and even drinking wine because it's got um, acetic acid that comes in it. Not acetic acid, is that right? Yeah, vinegar. Yep, that that helps you metabolize your food. So especially then, if you've got a biodynamic or organic grape wine, it's full of enzymes and things that actually facilitate better digestion. Humans have been drinking wine for thousands of years. Oh yeah, yeah, but the, yeah. you know, let, let's let's be honest. The the wine that was uh, consumed thousands of years ago didn't have pesticides and chemicals in it. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So some of the other things we've talked about along the way, you have a book, uh, basically a family book, a care manual for your family. Why don't we touch upon that? Because mm-hmm. it's so, so yeah. I mean, this started out with you dealing with a family situation and that's how you got exposed to all of this. Yep. And I started, you know, wanting to teach homeopathy and I taught it for 20 years before I wrote that book. And then it's, and that actually gave me 20 years of clinical experience experience working with families with fevers, ear infections, stomach upsets, you know, behavioral temper tantrums, all these different things. So that book is, um, goes through, you know, the kinds of things that you can take care of at home. And then um, if not taken care of, you know, my families, I make sure they have that book. And then when they get stuck, then they call me and then we sort it out and get better remedies like that. Gotcha. Uh, mm-hmm. Moving forward, some of the other things that we talked about along the way, um, childhood infectious diseases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of our homeoprophylaxis programs. So Free and Healthy Children International has been in existence since 2011. And because I started seeing too many children with vaccine damage, I was like, something has to change, and fortunately, there was another homeopath who had the same thought 20 years before me, and he um, really developed a childhood immunization program, and we took that program on and researched that, and all of these things people can find on the freeandhealthychildren.com or .org website, and, uh, and then we also did our COVID research there, so there's a whole... Thing that's not yet understood about, or at least in the masses, about how infectious disease really works and what their purpose is. And certainly childhood infectious diseases are help, there to help ensure the survival of the child by activating an immune response. And um, the other ones, like what I talked about, inherited things. So I was losing weight after my son was born because I went into hyperthyroidism. So why my family went into, or me, went into hyperthyroidism, it has to do with what's called a miasmatic inheritance of tuberculosis. My grandfather had tuberculosis. Well, tuberculosis is a wasting disease. And so that um, 
and plus was also given the BCG vaccine, which is a tubercular vaccine in the UK. They gave that vaccine. And so my system was set up to get a kind of wasting disease, right, by my family inheritance. But by taking the remedy tuberculinum, which I, by the time I became full-blown, so that was a sort of preview of, um, you know, with glyphosate toxicity, I became full-blown hyperthyroid and lost so much weight. Tuberculinum was one of the remedies that I took to repair myself so that I was actually holding weight and to clear that inherited miasm. So some of the other programs we have, we talked about that last time, the healthy sexuality and healthy pregnancy. One is clearing inherited diseases so that your children don't have to suffer from that in their life. Mm. And we, we talked a lot about the, the organization. Uh-huh. And why don't you give that website one more time? So, oh, here it is, freeandhealthychildren.org. Uh, lots to be learned there. I want to pivot over with the time we have um, to glyphosate because we mentioned it before in talking about uh-huh. Mexican beer, but saying that might not resonate with someone unless they really know what's going on there. And two words that I follow those two words up with, Roundup. I think that Roundup. says a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. I was on a town hall meeting in August and it was a meeting with a bunch of, organic farmers and some of these farmers they were conventional farmers that got kind of bought into the GMO and pesticide deal until they saw that their soil was completely killed um, but and I live in the Midwest here and so we're surrounded by the GMO farmers and there is a trend of people going towards holistic farming sustainable farming like you see that the farm is a whole organism between the soil and the animal manure and the algae and the bacteria that are in the soil, well, all of that gets killed with the glyphosate and then that's why the soil dies and the plants live, the GMO plants live, but they don't have any nutrients in them and they have the pesticides in them. And back to this town hall meeting, there was a guy there talking about Mexico and glyphosate, is that Mexico is being strong-armed by the current political government in this country to be forced to buy GMO. They want organic corn for their corn tortillas because Mexicans eat corn. They, but um, they, there is enough organic growers that can fulfill the demand for organic corn, the growers in the U.S. for organic corn in Mexico, but the current government is blocking that because they want to sell the GMO foods. And... If you, the hidden story between many wars is bankrupting a nation and forcing them as part of the peace deal to take GMO crops as their food source. And so not only are we poisoning America, but we're strong-arming many countries around the world to take these pesticide crops. And this, you know, comes full circle back to what is the government and what is our relationship in life? And how do those two things affect our health? And, um, you know, these are hours of conversations to have and how to unravel that. And certainly that meeting was how do we unravel that to get that organic corn that growers in the United States want to sell to Mexico. Mm. Interesting yeah. how 
you know, Mexico was on the, the radar for uh, mm -hmm. doing something different than the rest of the, uh, the world and uh, apparently got called out for it, it appears. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if called out is the right way to say. I mean, they should be heralded for that. Oh, I agree. You know. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, no, by that I mean, you know, others are looking at it. It's like, oh, wait a minute, they're doing that. You know, wh mm -hmm. what are we doing over here? Mm -hmm. You know, at some point in the 70s, the U.S. thought that they would, you know, let's supply food for the rest of the world, which is actually the impetus behind the GMO cropping is we can mass produce this, we can increase yields, and we can supply food for all the starving countries. That's the platform that they did it on. But, you know, Europe banned GMOs. You know, a lot of countries, and now they, well, they allow finished products into Europe, or maybe they're allowing it, which is curious to me because Monsanto happens to be in, um, you know, Germany there, or mm. at least is bought by Bayer. But, um, yeah, it's, there's, there's politics and food is a big thing. It's, there's mm. other things happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, we can make a long list. There are politics, uh, food. <laughs> and these are, these are part of the human sickness to allow this to happen. Like, why? what about humans, like the farmers? They were basically rolled under by big ag, you know, so mm -hmm. that they couldn't grow the organic food, and everybody was eating Tyson chicken, and it's just like, um, you know. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, you know, big agriculture, big pharma, you know, if you want to include that with politics, you know, in our list of things there. But, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. not to get political here, but just, you know, just throwing that yeah. out there. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, something to be aware of. Uh, the other thing we talked about is a certain type of wheat, and that is a movie that you produce, right? Tell us about oh, that. the einkorn. Yeah. Well, this, this sort of comes all together. Everything about being disconnected to nature or connecting to nature. This ancient wheat really is a gift for humanity. We can digest it, and wheat is the number one crop that's sprayed with pesticides, so it's causing many health problems around the world. And um, wheat also is the first economic system. And, you know, where, where we've seen, you know, the grain exchange is where people would exchange money. Now we have the stock exchange and capitalism. Like, where, at what point does capitalism for the sake of capitalism become self-defeating? Mm -hmm. And I think we're at that point right now. And eating einkorn wheat creates, a state of satiation means your digestive tract goes, oh my goodness, I was meant to eat this happiness. Wow. And um, there is a remedy made for mine corn wheat, and it's really actually to help heal the soul in humanity mm. for how disconnected we are from nature and how can we get back there and how we have forsaken this great planet that has given birth to us and feeds us and gives us everything we need and like that. How amazing is it we go from talking about wheat, which right away can trigger some people because of uh, digestion issues, and then, then you talk about, you know, a, a wheat that can support us and our bodies say, wow, this is fantastic. I can't wait to digest mm -hmm. it. I just mm -hmm. looked at the uh, the time. We're over. We are. <laughs> yeah, it's I didn't, crazy. yeah, and I look back. Yeah. I'm like, I wanted to keep going. There's so much more to to talk about. But if you want to, right? If you want to uh, recap or learn more about all the uh, the shows that we did, just go to the website 
hiphealth.com, H-I-P-P health.com. And to find it, let me just double check here. We click the home tab. Is It's right yeah. on the home tab, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'm going to make it its own menu item, but all of these interviews are also posted on Free and Healthy Children International site, and that is freeandhealthychildren.org, and it's under the events, and it's the very top button there. And, um, you know, people can learn about everything that Free and Healthy Children International does. And you started off with, you know, how did you choose what you wanted to do in life? And I really don't know... But you can tell from everything that I've done, it's um, it's just been about my intention to serve. Well, thank you for all the work that you do in really changing humanity and making mm-hmm. us aware. It's up to us now to make the choice as it to is. what we're going to do. But knowledge is power. I know it's a cliche, but it's the truth. A lot of things I was completely unaware of until... I talked with you and I I feel a lot of us would think the same thing that Mm -hmm. uh, especially opening our eyes to vaccinations, especially with COVID and uh, many of us thinking, well, you know, how bad could it be? Well, you know, maybe we should take a closer look at that. If you're thinking about Mm -hmm. getting a booster, Uh, but with all that hiphealth.com is the website, two P's and hip. And uh, Kate, thank you so much for, for being with us along the, uh, this journey of, uh, enlightening people and uh, putting this information out there. I truly appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Steve, for being a great host also. You've, um, you know, you've drawn it out, so it's been great how we've put it together. Yep, and thank you. And uh, somewhere along the way, I know that we'll, uh, we'll reconnect it in, in, at some juncture. All right, so thank, okay. thank you again. Yeah, you too. Okay, we'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese! Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.